Cedar Point's Frontier Festival is back and brimming with new flavor. From May 26th through June 19th, this Old West-inspired street fest will fill Cedar Point with live bands, nightly hoedowns, and a hubbub of family activities. Yup, you'll find wheelbarrows packed with sunflowers and characters straight out of the frontier, but you'll also discover 25 cherry-inspired dishes and over 65 cocktails, seltzers, and beers. Get all the fixins plus savings to boot with the Frontier Festival Bundle, which includes admission, parking, and a tasting card. Only at cedarpoint.com. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. God put a soul in the heart of an angel, and softly she sang it to I get to thinking lots of times about back when I was a lad, of the old home place where I grew up, of the days both good and bad. My overalls were hand-me-downs, my shoes were full of holes. I used to walk four miles to school every day, through the rain, the sleet, and the cold. I've seen the nights when my daddy would cry for the things that his family would need. But all he ever got was a bad land farm and seven hungry mouths to feed. And yet, and yet our home fire never flickered once. Cause when all these things went wrong, Mama took the hymn book down and Mama sang a song. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is The Exxon. And on tonight's show, we're dedicating the first three hours to domestic violence. This is Domestic Violence Month, and our guest this hour is Dr. Linda Bowlby. Now, as a survivor of satanic abuse, Linda Bowlby knows the transformative power of pain brought to her emotional and spiritual needs, Dr. Bowlby's life depicts the resilience and healing power of the human spirit. As a pathologist, psychiatrist, and author of three books, Red Earth Woman, Red Earth Wisdom, and Renaissance Woman, Dr. Bowlby holistically illuminates many paths to healing. Red Earth Woman is the story of Dr. Bowlby's journey from the depths of suicidal depression. After many years of self-destructive behaviors, she remembered her trauma and confronted her rage, fear, and pain. In Red Earth Wisdom, Dr. Bowlby draws on her training as a psychiatrist and pathologist as well as her own journey. Dr. Bowlby's earth, earthy approach to healing body, mind, and spirit also draws on the wisdom 
of many ancient traditions. In Renaissance Woman, a study of the woman's roles throughout history with accompanying works of art, Dr. Bowlby uh, looked into history and art to better understand why men felt they had the right to, to, uh, to abuse and defile women. After having laid bare the roots of patriarch art and <coughs> excuse me and often a strange society she turned to the positive historical models to guide women into the third millennium and dr bulby it's great having you back with us here in the exome thank you rob i'm glad to be back doctor this is uh this is domestic violence um domestic abuse uh, month and uh, what does that mean to you that that a month has been dedicated to domestic violence and abuse and that people are looking and saying hey wow I didn't know this was going on well I think it's a great beginning uh, you know denial has been rampant in our society because we don't want to look at what goes on especially those you know we can look at a few things and we think oh that's all there is well there's such bizarre things that happen to adults and children mm-hmm. in all forms of abuse be it emotional physical or uh, or sexual uh, of course sexual includes physical but you know the emotional abuse uh, is, is can be as extensive and as harmful as physical and or sexual so I'm glad to see that it's being highlighted and also not only that it exists, but what one can do to help, uh, first of all, be, be safe from mm-hmm. it, but even more so to heal emotionally, spiritually, and physically after such events occur in one's life. Doctor, please stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Our special guest this hour of the three-hour special on domestic violence tonight here on the Exxon is Dr. Linda Bowlby. Her website is www.redearthpublish.com. Exonation, if you are the victim of domestic violence, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. And if at any time you are victimized and you feel that your safety and the safety of your children are at risk. Dial 911. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with Dr. Bowlby as the Exxon continues live and around the world right here on Talkstar.
Welcome back, everyone. Um, statistics show that violence, uh, domestic violence, is is on the rise. Now, this is a sexual assaults and stalking. One in six women and one in 33 men have experienced an attempted or contemplated or completed rape. Nearly 7.8 million women have been raped by an intimate partner at some time in their lives. One in 12 and one in one in 12 women and one in 45 men will be stalked in their lifetime. 81% of women stalked by a current or former intimate partner will also be physically assaulted by that partner. 31% are also sexually assaulted by that partner. Homicide and injury? Almost one-third of female homicide victims that are reported in the police records are killed by an intimate partner. 76% of femicide victims have been stalked by the person who killed them. Less than one-fifth of victims reporting an injury from intimate partner violence sought medical treatment following the injury. Intimate partner violence results in more than 18.5 million mental health care visits each year. That's a staggering amount, uh, doctor. And uh, from a psychiatric point of view, doctor, how does the abuse or witnessing abuse affect a person? Both the, um, well, particularly from the child's standpoint, I'm dealing with the family now that the children watched... Uh, dad beat mom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, come home drunk, rages, yeah. etc. Beat, and and sometimes not even the beating; it's just the screaming, the violence back and forth, uh, back the verbal violence, even mm-hmm. more so than the physical, as much as the physical violence. Rather, this, you know, the children live in fear. Uh, I was just dealing with a family that, you know, every night dad came home drunk, and every night mom and dad screamed back and forth. Every night the children couldn't sleep. They'd go to their beds, of course, but they heard this night after night after night throughout through many years. And so they're incredibly emotionally traumatized. Uh, sometimes the children lay in bed afraid that Dad will kill Mom or vice versa. You know, there have been knives and guns and all kinds of things involved, you know, parent upon parent, let alone sometimes the, the uh, outright, the out-of-control parent or parents will come and drag the children out of bed in the middle of the night and have them reenact all kinds of things. Sometimes sometimes I've had histories of individuals in which the obsessive parents, sometimes they're psychotic or uh, nearly psychotic. Not, they're not always under the influence of drugs or alcohol, but sometimes indeed they are. But they'll drag them out of bed at all kinds of hours of the night, make them clean their room, uh, reorganize their, their drawers because they're not orderly enough and just I've heard story after story after story of children experiencing this and of course the adult experiencing it um, is also greatly traumatized and frequently there are also they are also the victims of childhood trauma and that this is the norm for them a chaotic violent household is what they are conditioned to expect so it's incredibly multi-generational tra- trauma how do you how do we break this cycle, Doctor? Well, first of all, oh, recognizing it happens first of all, and acknowledging it. You know, so oftentimes uh, I've seen many heard many histories in which well, the police were called domestic violence, and 
and first of all, women beginning to stand up for themselves and their children and seeking help is a huge beginning. Of course, it's not always a woman that's being... You know, sometimes uh, there can be a violent female in a family and abusing the children and or spouse or male partner. So it's, it's whoever is, quote, the designated victim or victims, particularly the adult victims, um, seeking help for themselves and therefore which will subsequently get help for their children. Sometimes it's just becoming safe is the first step and uh, giving oneself permission not to, not to continue the cycle. Certainly some women or men have been conditioned that this is normal behavior mm-hmm. and that they deserve that kind of um, violence perpetrated upon them. And it's really, it, first it's just seeking some kind of help and getting out of it. That's the first step then becoming educated, and then emotional healing as far as realizing one no one deserves to be violently abused, either emotionally and or physically. And certainly, you know, one of the greatest things I've seen with, with adult children of such abuse is that they resent the parent that did not protect them or take them away. Uh, the parent that was being abused, him or herself, and not protecting the children. Of course, the parent doesn't know how to protect themselves, so how can they protect the children? Exactly. So beginning is just stop, get some help, get some education, and then real deep emotional healing must come from after that. Does the child bring this domestic violence with them into adult? Oh, absolutely. Certainly whether they continue to perpetrate or not, they certainly bring the trauma and the effects on their psyche. And uh, not every person that has been violently abused will perpetrate another. Um, but it certainly the cycle does become multi-generational, uh, but it will vary in its manifestations as it goes uh, passes from one generation to another. You know, you may have uh, four children, for example. You may have one very violent one. Mm-hmm. You may have two that are very withdrawn uh, self-destructive behaviors like drug addiction, alcoholism, poor partner choices. Uh, And you may have one that looks somewhat normal but has so many emotional and looks, quote, perfect on the outside but has so many emotional issues on the inside. It's like a ragged ball of yarn. So there can be many manifestations from this kind of traumatic family or trauma family. As the as this person who has had all these problems in their youth grows up, and do they just get worse and worse? Is there a breaking point? Well, that's an interesting question to ask. Certainly, the, until they begin to get help, emotional help, spiritual help, to deal with all of these hidden, multi-layer issues. Uh, they may get worse before they get better, but eventually, you know, you can only stand so much pain, mm-hmm. whether it's a drug addiction, any kind of the addictions or obsessive compulsive ha- behaviors. You become so much, so miserable, you have to reach out for help. It may be a suicide attempt. It may be uh, becoming so addicted to narcotics or alcohol that you wind up in treatment. It may be severe depression. You wind up in psychiatrist's office. It, or it can be... Uh, you may go to church and you're um, 
or your spiritual counselors and ask for help. And that's when it begins. Uh, just one step, one direction to say, I can't take it anymore. I've got something's got to change inside of me. And that's when the secrets or all of the secrets begin to unravel because a lot of people don't remember everything that happened to them and that's one of the biggest clues taking history if a child doesn't remember an adult doesn't remember their childhood Mm -hmm. you automatically know there's got to be some pretty horrendous things that that have gone on if they don't remember their childhood what about a child or a family that is separated by the parents because the parents aren't getting along they cannot they cannot uh, take care of the children, and they ship these. They split the family up, and then later on, the family's brought back together. And this was quite. Uh, uh, this happened quite frequently, going back into the uh, early fifties, late six, uh, late sixties. Well, sometimes that can be a good thing, uh, in the sense of sometimes, you know, if the family is so violent and dysfunctional, mm-hmm. some of the saving graces have been for the children that they are. Uh, parceled out into families, and I'm talking about uh, extended families, whether it's a grandparent, uh, that it may be the only nurturing that 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 individual child or those children get is that time apart. And of course, just the converse can happen. They can feel thrown away by their family, um, and the people that are taking them in may not be any healthier than those. So it can go both ways. But certainly, that feeling of abandonment, unloved, being unloved, unwanted, etc., carries goes with the child indefinitely. It, it really is a huge wound. I'm, I deal with many people day in and day out with those kind of issues. Wow. How do you? How, so, what, is the first thing the recognition of the problem, realizing that hey, there's a problem. I'm I'm a victim. Well, I need help. Yes, definitely. Certainly if one's continuing in the violence uh, or continuing to, to select partners that continue to perpetrate in either physical or emotional abuse. So yes, I've got to stop. I can't do this any longer. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're be- beaten. Uh, yeah, I remember once, and this is my own personal experience, I was married to a man that kept telling me how horrible I was. And after he started pushing me around, I realized, you know, even I'm not this bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and that was how low my self-esteem was. But you just come to a day of reckoning that, no, this isn't right. It can't all be your fault. No, absolutely not. Because, of course, that's what the perpetrator tells you. If you do this, you know, if you cut the, if you fry the egg on the right side, it, it wouldn't be angry. Or if you, if you... Uh, fill the glass half full instead of half empty, they wouldn't be angry. It's all these nonsense. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Doctor, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. Dr. Linda Bowlby is our very special guest, and her website is www.redearthpublish.com. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number is ExoNation 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. Welcome to the X-Zone. 
a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Dr. Linda Bowlby is my special guest this hour. Her website is www.redearthpublish.com. Still to come on tonight's show, we have Dr. Naomi Robertson and Patrick Cook. Uh, the facts on military and violence against women. The victim of uh, domestic violence in the military is predominantly the female civilian spouse of the active duty personnel. Uh, victims normally have children and more than half have been married for two years or less. Substantiated spousal abuse involving members of the military is predominantly perpetrated by male active duty personnel. Among the services, the Army consistently has shown the highest rates of domestic violence followed by the Marines, Navy and Air Force. Abused women in military communities are often fearful of reporting incidents due to the lack of confidentiality and privacy, as well as limited victim services. Uh, let me see. In the sample of active-duty military women from the greater Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, 29.9% reported adult lifetime intimate partner violence, defined as physical and or sexual assault from a current or former intimate partner. African-American women were significantly less likely to be abused during military service than were, than were white women, but ethnic group membership was not a risk factor for lifetime abuse, and that is from the Family Violence Prevention Fund. Oh, Doctor, you, uh, you had uh, abuse in your childhood uh, of a satanic nature, and I was wondering if you could share that with our uh, listeners. Well, uh, satanic abuse is just... An even more deviant form of sexual violence than I want to say the common meal or the routine family incest uh, sexual abuse trauma pattern. And certainly, uh, satanic abuse and cult includes cult activity uh, and the worship of Satan or evil, and using uh, rather than than worshiping a divine, loving, omnipotent being that. Uh, this, this group of individuals or this kind of energetic plane they work on is, is the worship of negative negative forces, the, the worship of evil, actually, and thinking that they can get power over others, and they certainly do in their demonic behaviors. And that includes animals, uh, human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, uh, abuse by animals, with animals, using snakes and other animals to 
to abuse children or adults. Uh, so it's a very bizarre you know, form of um, activity that is really pretty incomprehensible until one has had memories of it or actually taken his, uh, histories of other individuals that have also experienced it. It's pretty much incomprehensible to the general lay public, and mm-hmm. certainly the public doesn't want to believe such things exist, nor do they want to believe that uh, older men rape small children, but they do it day in and day out on a regular basis. Why so it's don't, just a more deviant form of trauma. Why doesn't society want to acknowledge that this is going on? Is it that we have been programmed to be uh, members of what I call the ostrich uh, community, where we'd rather <laughs> stick our head in the sand than to actually admit there's a problem? Well, it's, it's most difficult enough for the trauma survivor themselves to begin to identify that that has gone on in their life. Mm-hmm. No one wants to admit that there's such t- atrocities and pain in the world, especially within oneself. Um, you know, we'd much rather live a tiptoe through the tulips lifestyle with 2.5 white co- uh, children mm-hmm. in a you know, house with a picket fence and think that's life, but it's not life on this planet. It's not the reality of most individuals on this planet. So um, denial is a wonderful form of... <laughs> yeah. Always, <laughs> denial is not, it's not just a river in Egypt kind of deal. Exactly. Um, when it comes to the um, the role society should play, uh, we we just can't go on and say, "Well, geez, th- this is too bad," or it can't happen. Society has to take affirmative action. How would you best see the media, that is the voice of of society, at addressing this situation? Well, they love to glorify. Well, this is one of my beefs with the media. It's that fear sells everything. Yeah, that's right. If it don't bleed, it don't lead. Exactly. So, you know, they, they will get, the media will put lots of exposés about all the horrendous things that happen, children being cut up, mm-hmm. killed, et cetera. And, but they don't, there's no lead program or follow-up on where to seek help if you're, uh, or how, uh, what you do to help a child. Or the, 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 this, you know, what's amazing to me, you know, the signs and symptoms of a child is being abused. I mean, on and on, I, you know, I, I'm just absolutely floored by our governmental actions to that replace children back in homes in which they've obviously been physically abused. We see it in our newspapers day yeah. and day. Excuse me, if you take a child out of a home, why in the name of God would you put the child back in? Exactly. Uh, and, you know, and even in the back in the home of a known pedophile. Yes. Or someone that, that has obviously physically abused them, it's it's rank insanity. And so I could go on and on about that. But certainly, the media can not only publicize that it occurs, but the you know I think to really the media to examine the governmental structures that allow children to be placed back in these mm-hmm. homes, um, and certainly. Listing the signs and symptoms of a child or adult woman that's been physically abused, and maybe uh, even a greater reporting system. You know, the media feeds on negativity. I'd like to see more things of of positive, of of surviving, of Mm -hmm. growing, of changing, of healing. You know, we have 
you know, one of the examples I see often, you know, a kid, um, this is a little bit of a different scenario, but you have a college student that looks like the perfect student that hangs himself because they made a B. Well, someone that looks that perfect on the outside, I guarantee you there are issues on the inside, uh, a whopping amount of them, actually, because anyone that has to be driven that far hard to look and perform well, that, that alone is a sign to me that there's trouble. What are some of the signs and symptoms that we can look for, doctor, uh, in children who are who are the you know who are living in a domestic violent um, surrounding and or or an adult male or female well if you just look at children you know uh, children tell the whole story with with just the way they look mm-hmm. you don't even have you know their eyes look dead inside they they come to school unkept and teachers you know teachers are a great white place to start picking these kids up and start getting them help you know they're they're poorly fed, they're bruised. They look like they're walking dead elderly people. Uh, there's no life in them. Uh, or they may be acting out aggressively. They can be totally withdrawn, unable to pay attention. Because many children have been sexually abused associate in the classroom because they are used to living out of their bodies to survive. Oh, God. And so others will become very aggressive, violent, and and reenact behaviors. And of course, there are those behaviors that, you know, children will do with other children, including mm-hmm. sexual reenactment. That usually won't happen in the classroom, but it can happen between children playing in each other's homes. And, you know, when that sort of thing becomes visible, big, big indicator something's going on in the neighbor's house next door. So uh, when, when young kids are playing doctor or or that sort of thing that you don't just ignore it and pretend, oh, don't do that anymore. It's not nice. You kind of your your antennae go up and well, what what's going on next door? That's right. So how how about for all right? So how about for a mom or a dad? How how would we be able to to identify a problem in a mom or a dad well, who have had all these years of trying their very best to bury this problem? Are you talking about a mom or dad who themselves are being abused yes. currently? Or, uh, currently? Yes. Well, again, the signs, you know, if you look at a woman that is bedraggled, depressed, there's two ways you know, they may appear. I think it's kind of, you know, people can appear in all kinds of ways, but, you know, you look at someone and they're depressed, their eyes are always cast down. They, you know, obviously feel very inferior. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, you know, some people will just kind of jump when you move funny. You know, some people are hyper vigilant, particularly children. I mean, you drop something and they jump out of their skin. Um, but you look in their eyes. You look in their souls when you look in your eyes. Their eyes. You see the depression. You don't maybe not know what's going on or what's causing it. Whether it's past issues, going uh, concurrent uh, current issues. But uh, certainly, you see a woman that's been with some bruises in strange places, you immediately, you know, antenna go up. But, you know, this same, it's, this, you know, it's hard to make a generality about mm-hmm. this uh, huge gamut of trauma symptoms in a huge gamut of population because it can vary age to age. Um, certainly, adolescents, they become, you know, oftentimes they'll go two ways. One, 
they'll become very aggressive and that's when of course the drugs and alcohol begin to blossom and there's multiple causes of addiction but I think what we see 90% plus of women in alcohol drug treatment facilities have been sexually abused period High per, higher percentage of, or, and or physical but often sexually a higher percentage than normal of alcoholic addict men have been perpetrated than the normal population so wow. addictions themselves you know any of the addictive behaviors whether it's gambling uh, sexual acting out that person's probably there's there's something going on from childhood you can pretty much bet on it um you know, the person that looks, the family that looks, tries to look, hear them screaming at night, and then they look wonderful the next day, you know, look close. The people that look perfect, and they do everything they can to look perfect on the outside mm-hmm. and conform to all the societal norms, and yet you think that their underwear is starched and they can hardly <laughs> smile without their face cracking. Right. Yeah, the, the, there's some, a lot going on underneath all that. So... You just have to have a lot of elements of suspicion. People that really look healthy and majestic, you know, pretty relaxed in their own skin, and their eyes sparkle, and they can look at you. <laughs> Life's an interesting thing, and people are so fascinating. And, how can um, how can one's healing powers, own healing powers, help to to um, to 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 mend these? psychological and and physical wounds that are created within a domestic violent environment you know that's a body mind spirit healing um, certainly I think anyone healing from severe trauma uh, I'm not talking about religion but mm-hmm. I'm talking about a spiritual belief of some type that there's something out there bigger than they are that has some positive loving influence in their life that's a nice wonderful, wonderful beginning. So many people come to therapy spiritually dead uh, and need revival. Uh, most of the time, if you've got a belly full of pain and you can't take it anymore, it's time to look. And, you know, people, you know, we use the word victim. I like to use the word survivor because okay. the, the victims, you know, they're very broken and sometimes, but it's when, you know, anyone that survived significant trauma. They're survivors. You know, they have been victimized, but they are survivors. And there's something deep and powerful within them that helped them survive. And so they reach, you know, there's nothing more transformative than dealing with one's pain and moving through it and using both emotional, spiritual, and physical means to uh, become all that one can be. And we use all kinds of modalities, whether it's a therapist, psychiatrist, spiritual media, on and on. Uh, we we know we know what the problem is. It seems that we're not smart enough to catch on to what the answer is, and yet the answer is right in front of us. Absolutely, the answer is fairly simple. Yeah. But there's really, you know, it's like uh, it, it's going within. It's going within and finding help for the wounds. We can all heal from our woundedness. That's why I wrote my own autobiography, not because I wanted to tell anybody about it. In fact, I didn't even really want to write it, but I felt spiritually drawn. But I must write it to say that no matter what your pain, you can heal, and no matter how bad it gets. 
and there are lots of different things one can do but uh, it's so much it's so important to have a spiritual connection of some type that one can go within to define to reach into one's own divine self and then that connection with the divine to help you heal Doctor, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. Doctor Linda Bowlby is our special guest. Her website, www.redearthpublish.com. And Doctor Bowlby and I will be back after this commercial break as the Exxon continues on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. In this world I Special guest, www.redearthpublish.com. Another part of domestic violence that doesn't get uh, very much press is guns and domestic violence. Guns and domestic violence are a lethal combination, injuring and killing women every day in the United States. A gun is the weapon most commonly used in domestic homicides. In fact, more than three times as many women are murdered by guns used by their husbands or intimate acquaintances than are killed by strangers' guns, knives, or other weapons combined. Contrary to many public perceptions, many women who are murdered are killed not by strangers, but by men they know. Nearly one-third of all women murdered in the United States in recent years were murdered by a current or former intimate partner. Of females killed with a firearm, almost two-thirds were killed by their intimate partners. Access to firearms increased the risk of intimate partner homicide more than five times than instances where there are no weapons, according to a recent study. Handguns are the most likely uh, weapons used. Rifles or shotguns are used in, uh, in a less degree, a less numbered degree of the statistics. In homicides where males use firearms to kill women, handguns are the most commonly used weapon. And a study of women physically abused by current or former intimate partners found a five-fold increased risk of the partner murdering the woman when the partner owned a gun, legally or illegally. Domestic violence is a growing concern, and this is why I believe, ExoNation, that we have to get the word out there. These survivors need to know that it's not their fault, and doctor, why... 
why do the 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 survivors believe that it's all their fault it's their fault because they can't do this right it's their fault because they can't do that right is it because that they are being controlled and conditioned by the by the abuser well partially that but they've also been controlled and abused by their their family of origin because usually women who have parents or father of that time will pick another male over and over it's it's total reenactment behavior it's what's familiar and they have been trained as children to believe that they don't deserve anything better. And uh, so it, it didn't begin with the, rarely, if ever, begins with the spouse. It begins with the parents of origin. And it just continues to build, um, to continue the cycle generation after generation. Uh, so when if you're condi- conditioned as a child to think that you're worthless and that you're the cause of the family problem or that if you did this, you know, many women who are, have been reared in alcoholic families or just violent families without the drugs and alcohol, however they frequently come together. And so they pick out a partner very similar to that. Doctor, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight on this domestic violence uh, special. Dr. Linda Bowlby, www.redearthpublish.com. And the telephone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. When I come back, Dr. Naomi Robertson and I will be talking more about domestic violence as we continue here in the X-Zone. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.